Derived Source podcasts are sponsored in part by Eurex Clearing. The buy side faces several challenges as they prepare to comply with the central clearing obligation for standardized OTC derivatives under EMIR. Eurex Clearing has launched ISA Direct to address these challenges and to contribute to a robust, safe, and efficient derivatives market. ISA Direct is a new membership type for the buy side, providing direct clearing membership and traditional service relationship and client clearing. This new membership model gives firms a unique way to meet regulatory requirements with reduced counterparty risk and strong asset protection. To find out more about ISA Direct or to watch the information video, please visit urexclearing.com. Hello and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schieffer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. Cyber risk remains a mainstay in the global news as there is a steady stream of news of website and email hacks. And recently, the FDIC, OCC, and FRB announced enhanced cyber risk management standards for financial institutions in the form of an advance notice of proposed rulemaking. In this DerivSource podcast, we speak to Harriet Pearson, partner at Hogan Levels in Washington, D.C., to explore the potential enhanced cyber risk management standards proposed by these three federal banking regulatory agencies in the U.S., and we'll also explore how financial firms should be bolstering their cybersecurity measures today. Welcome to the podcast, Harriet. Thank you, Julie. I'm happy to be here. So, Harriet, can you first give our audience a little bit of background into yourself? Sure. I'm a partner at a law firm called Hogan Lovells, where I lead our cybersecurity team and co-lead something we call Cyber Risk Services, a consulting unit. I have been practicing and working in cybersecurity and data privacy for about 20 years now and spent a lot of years at IBM where I was chief privacy officer and security counsel there before joining Hogan Lovells in 2012. So you're well equipped to talk about cyber risk. I've had a a number of years in these areas, even before they were called cyber or these other terms that, that we're using these days. So yeah, I've got operational as well as legal and compliance experience. Fantastic. Well, let's start about what's going on with the news so far. With website and email hacks in in the news constantly now, what is the real threat of cyber risk to financial institutions? Well, there is no one threat. And the reality is that, you know, there's a reason that regulators and others are focused on the programs that are in place in financial institutions. We have to worry about all of it. Cyber security risk is not really just one thing. There has to be a focus against website attacks and the kind of very public events that have happened in the last uh, several weeks and that have been noted because those kinds of website attacks can distract or worse, they can interrupt uh, business operations in a way that is maybe annoying, maybe a nuisance, but actually it can be over time quite damaging if it's not dealt with. But importantly, you also have to guard against insider attempts or more sophisticated attempts to compromise systems in a way that will potentially divert funds, tamper with accounts, or even affect operations more deeply. So the real threat 
I think, to financial institutions of cybersecurity risks is the fact that it's multifaceted and requires a lot of attention and a constant reprioritization to make sure that the right threats are being addressed and that the right resources are deployed. So clearly people have to keep on their toes as this is very much an evolving space. It's an evolving space. Addressing cybersecurity risk is a team sport. I know listeners to this podcast are of different backgrounds and different disciplines. You may be a compliance person, a risk manager, an IT leader, a lawyer. Frankly, all of those disciplines and more are involved in addressing cybersecurity risk. I believe that strongly. I've seen that in action. That's the only way really we can make it through what unfortunately is a very challenging area. Now, recently, the FDIC, OCC, and FRB announced enhanced cyber risk management standards for financial institutions in the form of an advanced notice of proposed rulemaking, or ANPR. So, Harriet, can you briefly outline these standards and explain what this means to financial institutions? Yeah, I'm happy to give an overview of this joint notice of proposed rulemaking that was published on October the 19th in the United States by the three major banking regulators. First and foremost, it's a notice of proposed rulemaking. So it's the beginning of what probably will be a fairly lengthy process. So this is not an overnight regulation, but it is an important signal that what is likely to happen is that more cybersecurity regulation is coming to the U.S. financial sector and to the largest and most significant financial institutions. The ANPR has 39 questions posed. 39 questions to which it's asking for answers or comments that are due January 17th of 2017. The intent of the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking is to obtain input from all interested stakeholders on what these enhanced cyber risk management standards should be. Now, the covered entities for, for the enhanced standards are going to be, at least according to the rulemaking, and supervised institutions with over $50 billion in assets firms that are going to be considered sector critical because they're very, very important to the functioning of the system, and service providers to those kinds of firms, sector critical firms, as well as the supervised institutions with more than $50 billion in assets. So importantly, any vendor, any service provider that serves these organizations also would be covered here. The notice of proposed rulemaking would create I think what the intention of the regulators is, is to create mandated standards. There is a lengthy discussion in the ANPR of all the different regulatory and guideline type of documents that exist today that inform and that already really, frankly, regulate this industry and this sector. And so this is something that is intended to be enhanced and additional to what's already there. Read between the tea leaves, it's intended to create a mandatory baseline And the ANPR is addressing our five different areas of cyber risk management. Number one, they're looking at cyber risk governance and asking questions about what would most effectively be done to engage boards of directors to ensure that they have the right expertise to oversee this kind of risk. I think if these enhanced standards get enacted the way they're being posed, you'd see a lot more expectation, a higher expectation for board engagement and awareness and expertise in this area. The second area that the enhanced standards would address is risk management. 
stronger risk management. And I thought the most interesting aspect of this particular section of the ANPR is the idea that there would be three mandatory functions inside a company that would provide the cyber risk lines of defense. Mandatory audit function, mandatory IT security program or function, and then a mandatory chief risk person or officer who would be responsible for reporting to the board and perhaps to the chief risk officer overall on cyber risk management. Many institutions have these three functions, but many do not at the moment. And so this would really drive, I think, the emergence of a more strategic risk management function that's focused purely on cybersecurity, in addition to the core IT security functions that exist, of course, in all financial institutions of size. The third area in which the ANPR focuses and asks questions is something they call internal dependency management. That's a pretty interesting term. What it really means is that they're focused on what kinds of essential elements should be in a mandated security program. Things like making sure that you have counting or uh, inventory of all assets under management. And I'm talking now about IT assets, not financial assets. You know, having a strong internal program that is about your systems management, security, policies, procedures, all of that, the kind of programs that a typical IT security team would run, this is a focus on that. The fourth area is external dependency management, and this is all about the ecosystem in which the covered entities operate, ecosystem including key service providers, partners. And the idea here is taking vendor oversight and third-party oversight to a place where there would be mandated enhanced standards for that. And then the fifth area is around incident response, resilience, and situational awareness, which just to put that in plain language means, do you know what's going on around you as an institution? What are the threats? Who's after attacking your organization or sector? Are you ready to respond to that so that you can power through and return to operations in a normal way as soon as possible? And there are questions about how best to impose or develop and provide enhanced standards in that area. That's the core of the ANPR. And separately from this core inquiry, there's also an articulation of desire to have even more stringent standards for so-called sector-critical entities. For example, for those particular entities, a requirement to implement something the ANPR calls most effective commercially available controls, and that is a moving target at any one moment and establishes a really high bar that I personally in my practice have not seen articulated anywhere else for any other sector, most effective commercially available controls as opposed to reasonable practices or industry standard practices. This is a really high bar. And another example of what would potentially be applied to sector-critical entities is to establish and validate that you can return to operations in two hours once you've been hit, if you've been hit by a cyber attack, which is a very, very short time frame indeed, but understandable potentially if you're talking about entities that are truly sector-critical. All of the above, everything I've talked about would cover and apply to service providers, which is why I think this ANPR is of interest obviously not only to the core covered entities in the sector, but also to kind of a wider ecosystem. So Harriet, the proposed rulemaking sounds quite extensive, but as you pointed out, it includes the requirement for sector critical entities. Is this perhaps going too far? Is this needed given people already have guidelines? 
As you say, there are extensive regulatory requirements and detailed guidelines that are applied to this sector, to the largest institutions and to other participants in the sector. And so I suspect what we'll be seeing in the comments that will be filed by January 17th is you know, a number of industry participants saying, wait a minute, we've got standards. We just need to get support from law enforcement to prosecute cyber criminals. We need to get government support of other types. And an additional layer or multiple layers of mandates is not exactly what is needed. I think this will be a tension point, And you can kind of see why that would be. Technology and cyber threats move very, very quickly. Traditional notice of proposed rulemaking is going to take some time. I think important for me to mention that the ANPR recognizes and leaves open whether these enhanced standards would be guidelines or would be actual mandated and mandates that, that take the form of detailed regulation. So I think the jury is out on that, as they say. It's an open question. And I think industry participation, others' input into this process will be important as well. I think it should be noted that with the change in our executive branch, the election of Donald Trump to the presidency, there may be some effect, I would say, of the leadership of our government on how financial services regulators proceed in this area. It's worth kind of taking that into account here that these may not be exactly mandated by regulation, but I think the trend here that is important to note is more focus on getting more specific about what's expected from the largest institutions and their service providers just because of the risk of cyber attacks on to disrupt the financial system. Perfect. So the main takeaway here for our listeners is to get those comments in by January. Yeah, I think there's an opportunity here to shape and inform. Clearly, there are 39 questions posed in the ANPR, and the more information that's submitted for the public record, the richer and the more influential it will be on shaping the outcome of this process. Harriet, let's switch gears a little bit. We've talked about the proposed rulemaking, but let's talk about what happens today already. Hogan Levels has a cyber risk service already in operation that you service multiple clients. Can you briefly describe the service, what's included, and how you currently help clients tackle the possible risks that we've already outlined? Well, I thank you for asking that. You know, we're not typical lawyers, I think. We combine team of lawyers with very deep regulatory expertise and operational experience with attorneys who are experienced in enforcement matters and in litigation with business unit called Cyber Risk Services, where we have former chief information security officers of very major corporation and other consultants who are really hands-on and understand risk management and technology management in this area. We combine our forces, so to speak, to help clients assess their governance, their compliance, develop training programs, and also in the event of a cyber event or an incident, we get in there to, in a very informed way, oversee any forensics. And, you know, we speak the tech talk and we speak security talk. So we're able to get really deep and then come back and explain to a board of directors, to a general counsel, to a CEO, a compliance officer, what has happened, what are the options, and what can we do to move forward. We are global, and we have combined our tech, regulatory, and all the other legal disciplines into one package. And we work with companies of all sizes and in all sectors, including, obviously, the financial services sector. Given you have this cyber risk services 
that obviously covers all the different elements you mentioned, technology, regulation, et cetera. In your view, what are the basics of a cyber risk prevention program that financial services institutions should be adopting today? In my experience, most financial institutions have pretty sophisticated programs, but it's always good to do a a double check that you see the forest in addition to the trees. And at the forest level, if I can say it that way, it is essential to make sure that the governance of these programs keeps up to date with expectations. Is the board appropriately engaged? Does it have enough expertise at at its disposal to assist it? The C-suite, are they engaged? Do you have the right leadership in place that whose skills are keeping up with what is expected in this area? Is there a strong core program, an IT security lead and a program that is appropriately resourced given what we know today? That's going to change tomorrow and the day after. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a moving target. Training and awareness, or what I prefer to call building a security culture, is essential and sometimes gets overlooked. And we can see it in the news constantly with examples of very major organizations that get infected or compromised because somebody has done something that really could have been prevented with some training and some reinforcement of what good behavior looks like. So a strong focus on training and security culture, which typically draws on different skill sets, frankly, than IT security. So you need people who understand culture and training and kind of human psychology for that. And then finally, a focus and a sophistication around being ready and being aware. And these are incident response planning, exercises to test your capabilities, constant testing and constant scanning of the environment. Those are, in my mind, essential elements for any institution. And I would add to, especially in the financial services sector, third-party, third-party, third-party oversight. And unfortunately, what we also have in this sector is a deep, deep attention to regulatory compliance and maintaining those good relationships with your core regulators who are expecting a constant flow of information. Having the sophistication to keep up that interaction and relationship and compliance activities with regulators while also running a program that is constantly evolving. That's not easy, but that's what I see as essential. We started off the conversation by talking about how cyber risk is increasing, and obviously there's a clear need for firms and all types of companies to address this. Looking ahead, how do you see and do you see cyber risk being a growing area of concern and risk in 2017? This issue is not going away anytime soon. I have been working in this area literally since the late 90s. And I've seen it develop over years, and I think we're just getting started, frankly, in terms of what will need to be done in with respect to processes, technologies that need to be evolved and adapted and deployed, and, and the actions we all must take. 2017 and well beyond, we are going to be talking about this and focusing on it as all types of professionals. This is an unfortunate facet of our reality, but it is one that, that it will be with us for quite some time. Thank you, Harriet, for sharing your views with us. It's been very insightful, and no doubt our listeners will welcome the information that you provided on this topic. Thank you very much. And we have actually additional resources available. If anybody's interested, go to hoganlovells.com slash cybersecurity. We also have a dedicated site helping to test incident response plans. You can take a diagnostic there at hoganlevels.com slash ready, set, respond. Great. 
We'll definitely include those links on the podcast notes page. So do look at derivesource.com for direct information on those links that Harriet kindly provided us. Thank you again, Harriet, for joining us on this podcast and for sharing your insight with us today. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you to Harriet Pearson of Hogan Levels for sharing her views with us today in this very insightful podcast. No doubt our listeners will welcome the information provided on this topic. We will make the links Harriet mentioned available via our podcast notes page on DriveSource.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe to it on iTunes or listen via our free DriveSource app or via DriveSource.com. Thank you for tuning in. Join us next time.